Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Ellison, relationship coach and your host of Unbreakable You. Listen, I get it. Breakups and divorces suck, but they don't have to break you. You may be hurting, feeling confused, or wondering what the hell just happened to your life. But join me as I share interviews with men and women who have battled the impossible and have come out living an even better life. I also interview experts and authors as well as provide you with coaching tidbits along the way. And know this, your life is about to get really amazing. Why? Because your breakup is a gift. It will show you your truth and what's been missing in your life so now you can live your best life. Don't believe me yet? Keep listening and I'll show you that you are unbreakable. Well, hey everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Boy, did I get so many awesome emails and Instagram messages and even some text messages from clients who I haven't heard from in a while. And I just thank you so much for the amazing, amazing feedback that I got on my most personal episode ever. And I'm just so astounded by what happens when we acknowledge our truth and just share it with others and just allow ourselves to be vulnerable. I'm kind of still in awe. (laughs) I've been kind of blown away because I was, as you know, I was really nervous uploading this and I was wondering if this is a really bad idea. And apparently that episode was my fastest, most downloaded episode ever. So go figure. And I'm really excited about that. It really encourages me to do a lot more deeper content with you guys. And I'm not afraid of even showing my vulnerability and allowing myself to just share with you guys my growth and some of the things that I'm working on, some things that I'm having a hard time working on, which leads me to... I guess my first episode or first real episode since I unveiled uh, the last episode and just a couple housekeeping items. I'm going to be starting to do these longer solo casts that I call them, maybe some 30 to 40 minutes worth. And I'm also going to be doing some shorter podcasts, which are around, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm going to call that Unbroken Today. So when you see a new title, That's what I'm going to be calling it because I just wanted to give you guys, if I can, I hate saying that I'm going to commit to doing this daily, but I'm going to really, really try just so you guys can have like 10 or 15 minutes of stuff to listen to in the morning and something to kind of set you off in the right way. And we're all doing this together. And I'm really, really a proponent of sitting with myself for 10 to 15 minutes and allowing myself to check in and reading through my affirmations and understanding and going deeper with myself every day and connecting with my inner child and connecting with my trauma and my inner child, which I always try to say she's growing up from being just a wounded child. So that is going to be kind of a new thing that I'm going to be doing for the podcast. I think over time, I'm going to be renaming the podcast, but I'm not quite there yet. And I haven't quite figured out how to rebrand and hey, I'm not perfect, right? So that's what led me today to talk about today's episode on the subject of perfectionism. And I think you guys heard in my last episode that one of the things that really caused my breakdown 
was this inability to hold up this mask, this mask of perfection. Now, it's not so much that I wanted you guys to see me perfect. My fear was you were going to see me the way I see myself. And there's a little bit of difference there, right? So it wasn't so much me worrying about what you thought of me. It was more about you seeing what I thought about how I thought about myself. I think I got that right. And as I've gone through treatment and I went, you're going to hear me talk about the meadows probably for the rest of my life. (laughs) But when I went there, I really had to go deep and look into my past of where did I get this mask? Where did it come from? And why the hell am I so hard on myself? And I kind of used to think that this perfectionism was somewhat of a good thing and that it created a good work ethic. It made me work hard. And it made me want to get things right. Sounds good, right, to the outside world. But at the end of the day, it's almost, it almost hijacks you and keeps you prisoner of your own thoughts because that means that there is nothing we can do that's good enough. And that's not a fun place to be. So one of the things that I had learned from my trauma therapist was this really, really cool concept of what's called the vagal nerve, which is... In our brain, that is a huge nerve that manages our sympathetic nervous system. And that nerve, when we are activated through stress, we go into a fight or flight mode. And that's how we respond to stress in a very abnormal way. It's not a healthy way. That alert system, that flight or fight should really only be activated if there is true danger, like a big animal coming out of the woods and we're scared and it might attack us or getting hit by a car. There's a real reason for that flight and fight activation system. But when we have experienced childhood trauma, that nervous system part, that flight and fight gets activated and it gets activated to a very, very unhealthy way. And should we stay in that mode for a really long period of time, we can go into the freeze category, which is where we start to shut down, we become numb, we don't know what to do, we become depressed, we start to question whether life is really all that great. Doesn't even mean, I'm not saying that we're having to be suicidal, I'm not saying that, but we're just shutting down. And we do that based on stress. And then again, it's really from our childhood trauma that has trained us. This is our coping mechanisms and our coping skills of how we handle stress because we were really little and we didn't have anyone to protect us and no one was showing us the way of how to handle stress appropriately. So that's our nervous system responding to data and input every day. To counteract that is doing activities that calm our sympathetic nervous systems. And by doing that is taking part in activities that you enjoy. Sounds really simple, right? So one of the activities that I have been assigned to do was art and being creative. Being creative in my home as a child was never celebrated, nor was it nurtured. And in fact, my memory, you know, I don't really have any hardcore memories of don't draw or anything like that. But I just was a really, really creative kid. And I don't think anybody else in my family was. So 
when I was creative, I didn't get that nurturing or attention that I wanted to have of being a little kid. And this is something that apparently my sympathetic nervous system needs in order to deactivate stress. And if I continue to do art or do something creative, then I'm training my brain and I'm training that vagal nerve to regulate on its own. And it's just amazing what our brain can do, but it truly is a matter of exercising. So I wanted to kind of explain to you what I did recently, how I was trying to be creative and I was trying to draw and then my nervous system got activated, which means I was triggered. Unbelievable. So I have been dabbling and drawing and painting and uh, doing the black and white drawings. And I don't have any training, but the drawings that I have done are pretty damn remarkable considering I don't have training. So somewhere in my body, I have some talent. And this was the kind of talent that was never really, like I said, celebrated or nurtured when I was growing up. So I've probably took the translation of the lack of nurturing and the lack of celebration as it's wrong and I shouldn't do it. Now, I do remember many, many times as a kid, I wanted to be a dancer or an actress or a singer. And if I could have gone to some art school, I probably should have done it. I was very good at piano, very good at singing. And every time I would do something really well, I do have a memory of my father saying, well, what are you going to be an actress? Well, you might as well enjoy waitressing for the rest of your life. Or if I were dancing, um, you're not skinny enough. I've definitely heard that. Um, If I wanted to, I remember I wanted to be going into TV. I wanted to go into television production. And I was told that if I wanted to do that, I'd have to live, quote, in bumfuck Kansas for five years of my life, and I'm going to end up marrying a farmer. So those are the things that I would constantly hear as a way of shutting down my creativity. And who knows why my father did that? He probably didn't have any connection with creativity, and that's not who he is. Or maybe it made him scared. Who cares? It doesn't really matter what he was thinking. What matters is how it made me feel. So I think over time, as I'm older, every time I dabble into creativity or something creative, I literally think it is a waste of time because I won't make money doing it. Isn't that lovely? Not joking you. And because I own my own business, the one of the issues that we have or any entrepreneur has is we could work all the time. And so we really have to work on allowing ourselves free time, playtime, creativity. And one thing I don't like doing in my job is a lot of admin work. So I've actually hired someone to do that to give me more time to be creative and do more podcasts to talk to you guys. But back to the drawing. So I started to dabble in drawing with colored pencils, birds. I love birds and I have a lot of photos on my camera of birds. And I have this one photo of a goldfinch that I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna start drawing it. And I really tried to just go with the flow and enjoy the process. Well, the other night I was drawing it and I'm like, ah, it's not bad. And I don't really have any training in colored pencils, so I don't really know how to blend colors. And I was finding that a little bit frustrating that it was so permanent, I couldn't erase it or do anything like that like you can with paint. And while I was sitting there on the couch, my husband was sitting next to me watching TV. And I said, what do you think so far? And he said, hey, that's pretty good. And that was it. 
I had to really think about what happened in that moment. It took me a couple days. But something in his response activated and triggered me. And what I realized later, that his response was very much like my father's and how much I needed this parenting from him, which would have more sounded like this. Oh my God, that is so amazing. I cannot believe you did that. Wow, Lindsay, I am so impressed. Good job. Keep going. How does that sound like to you guys? What does that sound like? You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like I'm a little kid needing praise from my mother or father. And that's exactly what I needed. And because I didn't get it, I was activated. And I started to get into the flight or fright phase. And this is what was happening. And under the fright category, it's called anger and frustration. So now I took this drawing that was somewhat fun in the beginning and I started to get really frustrated and pissed off. Now, mind you, I did not know I was really experiencing this and I had to literally process this exercise and what was happening to me with my trauma therapist so that I understood it. And I do now, which is why I'm explaining it to you. But as I was getting activated, I was frustrated and now I started staring at this bird (laughs) and that perfectionism took over. There was no room for mistakes. And when I saw a mistake, I was really upset. And it's almost as though, again, my survival and my coping skills got triggered because I didn't get the praise that I needed. And I stopped drawing. And then I put this drawing next to me on the couch. And I'm not joking, you guys. I started staring at it and staring at it. And I picked it apart. And I was so frustrated that it didn't look like the photo that I was drawing from. So much so that I couldn't sleep that night. And apparently here's this activity that I'm supposed to do to calm my nervous system down. And it was doing the exact opposite. And what I realized, it wasn't so much the drawing because I was enjoying it. It was my perfectionism that got triggered when doing something creative. When doing something that my father did not necessarily approve of. So do you guys see what what that little pattern happened, which actually is a big pattern, which happens to all of us? And I felt as though I was a little girl doing the wrong thing. And I almost came close to ripping up this drawing. And if I can figure out how to upload this drawing on my website or something, I will, because I, I haven't done anything with it. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. And then I came across, this is the crazy thing, is I came across this affirmation the following morning when I woke up. And this book, Daily Affirmations, Strengthening My Recovery, and this is Meditations for Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. So I think I talked in my last episode about ACA and how much I resonate with adult children of alcoholics, which is really dysfunctional families as well. And I also think I mentioned that um, my dad is not an alcoholic, but I know he was raised by one. So my dad ultimately became what's called a para-alcoholic, and so he has the behaviors and parenting skills of an alcoholic, even though he's not one. And this is a book that I highly recommend, the ACA Big Book. I'll put it in my show notes, and I'll also put this affirmations book in my show notes where you can purchase it. But I just love it. So this is the affirmation that I got the following morning after I was having a fit about my painting. Perfectionism. Hmm. Perfectionism 
is a response to a shame-based and controlling home. The child mistakenly believes that she can avoid being shamed if she is perfect in her thinking and acting. Is that just not amazing? And that is so true. This is where perfectionism comes from, everyone. It's a response to a shame-based and controlling home. And that's really what I grew up in. I think a good part of my recovery is coming to terms with that and not discounting or minimizing it because that's what I was gaslit to do. That's what I was brainwashed into doing and rewarded for doing for not really asking questions and not disobeying or being my creative self around my father. To continue with this, it says, as children, many of us were either subtly or overtly shamed on a regular basis. We lacked true acceptance from our parents and learned to internalize the shame. We got the message that we were not okay as we were. Some of us tried to act in ways that garnered the approval and love we so longed for. Further, we secretly blamed ourselves for our parents' alcoholism or dysfunction, thinking that if only we could be perfect, things would get better and our pain would end. But that was a losing battle. So we learned to associate being imperfect with being unlovable. So I think what happened was... Without my husband in that moment saying, oh my God, Lindsay, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen, which is really what I wanted. I think I got triggered into not feeling lovable and then I got scared. And so the only way for me to counteract that or to handle not being scared was through the control of the work that I was doing and obsessing over it. Since I've been in recovery, that type of observation or realization is usually uh, something that pisses me off, truthfully. And it makes me wonder, am I going to be in emotional handcuffs for the rest of my life? Because if I can't fucking draw (laughs) a bird and enjoy it, and it has to become an enormous issue in my life, then I have some serious problems, right? That's, That's part of the sabotage that we do to ourselves. I'm mentioning that to you guys because when we start to really heal The immediate, when we start to become aware of, oh, this is why I'm this way, or this is why I have perfectionism issues, whatever issue it is. When we start to realize that, it's amazing. The second emotion after that is to beat ourselves up over it. We blame ourselves, which kind of ties into the sentence, right? We secretly blame ourselves for our parents' dysfunction, thinking that if only we could be perfect, things would get better and our pain would end. So even when we're in this moment of crisis, we realize the source of the crisis, and then we get upset about the crisis, and then we get pissed off at ourselves. That is the training that we learned as children. Because guess what? We were so mad at our parents for whatever issue it was, and there was no place to put it. So what did we do? We beat ourselves up instead. That's what we did. That's what we did. And it's really sad. And this is what we do every freaking day, don't we? I mean, if we leave our cell phone at home or we go to the grocery store and we leave our wallet and we're like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. And then you will spend our entire time going back to the car and saying how stupid we are. And the reason why we do that is because we have never been taught to forgive ourselves. We've never been taught to have a normal sympathetic nervous system where we can react to difficult situations 
and respond to them appropriately, not as an adapted adult child, which is what I did the other night. So it's about responding in a functional adult way. Huh, that sucks. This isn't exactly how I wanted this painting to turn out, but go me, I did it anyway, and I made, I made the effort. And hey, I enjoyed it because it, it was pretty zen. That is a functional adult response. But instead, I turned, what, eight or nine? It's funny, I, my therapist had asked me, she said, how old are you when you were painting this? And I said, about eight or nine. And interestingly enough, when she asked me that question, I really, really cried. Really cried. And then I start laughing. And what do I do? I'm sure you guys can guess it. Why am I crying? What's wrong with me? That's just my little kid almost coming out and saying, you finally see me. You finally see who I am. And damn it, I am creative. So my homework, you guys, and I challenge you to think about this for yourself, but my homework and my work and my daily practice is about parenting myself and giving myself space and accolading myself and esteeming myself and affirming myself, which means I'm the one who has to say, you go girl, that's pretty awesome. Look at you, oh my God, that's amazing. And you know what? I'm gonna put this on the refrigerator because my parents never, ever put my art on the refrigerator. And that's the shit we have to do, you guys. This is the stuff we have to do as we're healing from our wounds. And you know what we did? If you haven't connected the dots just yet, here's what we did. We married someone to do that for us. And the people that we marry are often narcissists because they enjoy that role and that false sense of self and this parenting role because they want to take care of us. And that's why when we fall in love with a narcissist in the beginning, it feels so damn good because we have gotten love and attention, my God, like nothing else we've ever experienced before. And this is the setup for serious issues when we're exiting out of a marriage with a narcissist, because we can go right back into a relationship with a narcissist if we don't learn this work, if we don't learn how to reaffirm and give ourselves accolades and self-parenting and heal ourselves and heal our heart before we start dating. Now, in the situation, in the, in the example I gave you with my husband, he is not a narcissist. But what he is, is he's not the most emotive person in the world, I gotta say. For instance, if I make him dinner, I love to cook. That's another creative thing that I have. So if I make him dinner and I think this is the most amazing dish, you should hear me. I mean, you guys, I... I crack myself up or I know I crack my kids up. I will literally say, this is the best meal I've ever made. Oh my God, this is so good. So when I nail it, I now realize why I do that. Because I have to. Because I never got that when I was young. In months past or before I've gotten all this training and all this work done, if I made the most amazing dinner and I thought so and I asked my husband how it was, his typical response is, it's really good. And that's it. That If he says it's really good, that's his version of saying, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever had. But I never get that type of emotion from him. So what I ended up doing subconsciously was getting mad at him or I'd pick a fight with him because I was acting like a little child, not getting the praise and affirmation I needed from him because again, that's what I needed from my father and I never got. So I have two choices when that happens. I can realize that I'm being triggered and say that's not his job to parent me or affirm me, because that is the truth. 
Or if my feelings are really hurt, it's my job to then say something and come at it from a place of this is what I'm making up about this. Those are my two options. The other night, my feelings really weren't hurt. I just felt triggered. It was more that. And I was almost looking for, if I could hit the whole event on slow motion, what I was looking for was a green light from him to say, keep going. And instead, it was more like a yellow light that I translated into a red light, which really got me into that flight or fright stage. As you move forward this week, think about your perfectionism. Think about the things that you do where you're so hard on yourself and just realize and know that it, you're not making this up. It did come from somewhere. I heard a line the other day that as children, we never question ourselves because children never know how to question themselves because children think they're amazing. So when we question ourselves, we learn that from our parents we were encouraged or conditioned to question ourselves and whether we're doing the right thing. And that's where I, I'll have another uh, episode about that one of these days where I, I really have this phrase of when we gaslight ourselves, when we, our perfectionism gets so not in control anymore, it's activated into that flight or fright cycle that we start to question who we are. And that's where I really think it's a danger zone because if we question who we are and if we question what we're doing, or our decision-making, then we're in some trouble because guess what happens? We start to rely on someone else to do that for us. And anyone who's a controlling narcissist is happy to step in and be that person. Anyway, y'all, thank you so much for listening today. And again, please comment on my website where I post this episode. Make sure to rate this episode if you could, if you haven't already. And stay tuned for some future episodes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unbreakable You. Be sure to visit my website at lindsayellison.com and shoot me a note. I love to hear from my listeners. You can also find my book, Magic Words, How to Get What You Want from a Narcissist on Amazon or Audible. And check out my digital worksheet to accompany the book that you can find on my website. All of my podcasts are also on YouTube where you can watch me in action. Make sure to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, keep being your badass self and live your best life.